of LCMSU, everyone. Who are you? I am. The Chancellor. Yeah, baby! Master yeah. Marcus Zill. Marty Marks from DeKalb, Illinois, Emanuel Lutheran Church and Student Center, serving students at Northern Illinois University. Go Huskies! Ooh, go Huskies! Welcome back, Marty. How are you doing today? I am doing splendid. It seems like forever since we've talked, but uh, thank you for having me back. Hard to believe it's been five times, man. <laughs> it's always great to have you on. Last time we had uh, mentioned that you're getting ready to go on a, on a sabbatical, going to New Zealand. And one of the reasons is because it's kind of a little, it's a little, it's a little nerdy, dude. You know, you're, dude, you're kind I'm deep in the nerd world. <laughs> so one of those reasons is your, your love of the fantasy genre and things that have been filmed. And, you know, we always see these wide, you know, Lord of the Rings, the wide sweeping New Zealand hills and pastoral settings. You've admit to being a nerd, right? I I think there's a plenty of empirical evidence to, to support. Yes, I am I am full fledged nerd by most definitions. You know. uh, but yeah, you but, and, and you love one the of the f- things that would often like apply to is I do love fantasy genre, sure. you know, literature, movies, all that kind of stuff. Sure, you know, um, science fiction and fantasy. Yeah, really giving out that. little ninjas. We've talked about this yeah. before. I have I have two things in my office that are always here. One is a giant Godzilla. I love. Godzilla. Partially because my middle name's Todd, and I was called Todd until I was 13, because uh, my dad's name was also Marcus, and so they called me by my middle name, and people used to call me Toddzilla. <laughs> and uh, so anyways, I have this giant Godzilla, and then I have a travel Godzilla. The same thing with the ninjas that you like to hand out is kind of like, it's like your Marty Marx's thousand points of light, and one of them stays in the office and guards all of my LCMSU stuff and secrets while I'm gone, and the other one travels with me wherever I go. Good news is you are ninja-worthy, whether you've got the ninja with you or not. You know, it's just to show you make a difference in the world. That's why I give out the ninjas. So, question of using fiction as a means of conveying truth. Set this up. Why do you like the the whole the fantasy genre? And it's very popular, yeah. not just in terms of, of fiction and reading, Everything from Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, but also in terms of the making of movies and the gaming yeah. world. Why do you love this genre so much? I guess there's a couple of reasons. One, I just if I'm really honest about it, I just like it. You know, everyone has things that they like. You know, there's people who like fantasy genre and people who don't. So you know, it, it's a taste thing, almost like foods. You know, some foods you like, some you don't. So so I, I'll freely admit that I 
that I come from, just that's my taste. But um, as a person who absolutely loves the Lord Jesus Christ, wants to see his work in, in the world carried out, um, I have seen some very effective work in carrying out ministry, utilizing this as a tool. And it's Folks, you know, most folks have heard of. Most have heard of J.R. Tolkien. Um, he was a Christian when he wrote. You know, his goal wasn't in the Lord of the Rings series to write a a Christian novel. Uh, you know, and and he's pretty clear uh, that that wasn't his his intent. And yet, the overarching themes of good versus evil, and there's certainly some characters in there. And he does a creation account. Um, you know, most folks are familiar with Lord of the Rings, maybe seen the movies, maybe even read the books. Some of the other stuff that he's written that took place in that same world was a, a creation account, a book called The Silmarillion. Uh, as much of a Lord of the Rings fan as I am, I haven't finished reading that book. I've tried, um, and I don't consider myself a dumb person, but I read about three pages, and it just wears me out. I know it's beautiful, and it's it is. I mean, it's like deep, thought-provoking stuff of, you know, how this fantasy world came into creation. But it gets me thinking, well, how about our world? You know, how, how does that all work? And uh, um, how does that work with how God describes things in the book of Genesis? And so, uh, you know, the, that fantasy literature can get you thinking outside the box because, oh, it's a made-up world, but it applies to our world. And, and C.S. Lewis, J.R. Tolkien, a number of others, uh, even the Harry Potter series, has some stuff that gets folks thinking not just about this made-up world, but real-life stuff. And I admit, I, I haven't read, I've, I've not read most of the stuff. I read more C.S. Lewis than anything. But um, isn't there kind of a history of people thinking, well, oh, isn't this kind of evil, all this you know, Harry yeah. Potter stuff, Lord of the Rings, witchcraft, Dungeons and Dragons, you know, <laughs> don't let your kids near this stuff. They're going to end up being, being emo <laughs> or, or or whatever people think uh, is it, tell us i mean yeah yeah you know and and the, there there's some some healthy warnings in there you know occult things things that actually engage with spirits that are not god pleasing spirits are, are a bad thing you know i and i agree with that because you know these things come out of a, a history there was a time when folks thought they could manipulate spirits gods out there by using what we would call magic words today um you know it, it actually explains a lot of bible stories where you know folks thought well if i knew the name of jesus you know as long as i invoke that i have power over jesus and you know the seven sons of Sceva get beat up by a, a demon because they know the name of jesus but they don't have power over jesus um so you know the the idea of magic does come from kind of world history but here's the difference, you know, where where fantasy genre may involve things that we use as the term magic, um, it, it's an imaginary world, and and there's lots of things that are imaginary world that that aren't real that we can say, boy, that's just an interesting story. You know, I I've enjoyed Star Wars since I was a kid. I don't really believe there's a, a Chewbacca out there flying in the Millennium Falcon on Solo. No, you know. <laughs> Um, or, or stormtroopers, you know, they're, they're a made up world that can in some ways teach some lessons. I don't quite agree with George Lucas's, you know, spiritual take on things. Americans sure. completely don't, but, but, you know, it's a made up world. Well, same thing with, with things, you know, that involve magic, whether it be a Harry Potter, whether it be Lord of the Rings, whether it be even C.S. Lewis, you know, um, so I think God, God gave us imaginations and said, we can imagine certain things. And no, they're not real. You know, now I guess if somebody went down the path of saying, "Boy, I really think this stuff is real, and I'm going to, you know, use satanic powers in in my daily life," that's a real problem. But but most of us can separate out fantasy from reality. You know, well, and isn't isn't age, that kind of you know, isn't that kind of really the big issue here? Is that there? It's kind of like food. There's healthy food, and there's unhealthy food. 
there's imagination. There's good there's good uses of your imagination, and there's bad uses of your imagination. Absolutely, yep. And and, and so, no for instance, in terms of, I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't want anybody out there to think that that there isn't evil out there, and that things, and I'm not that you're saying that, but but like uh, something you said struck me about you know, and using Jesus's name to try to invoke things and whatever. Well, I mean, there are, you know, I mean, there are games surrounding, you know, you got the Jumanji stuff, the Ouija board stuff that's out there. And I myself have, and I could do a whole show on this and then you could interview me and I'll be the guest. Um, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I have, I have stories. I, like I have stories about Ouija boards and uh, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that you go invoking the name of evil spirits. Don't be surprised if they maybe show up, but that's not I what agree. we're talking about here. Correct, correct. And if you're going to have imagination, yeah. you're going to have you're going to have um, a battle of good and evil. You're going to have you're going to have law and gospel. You're going to have wrath and justice as well as peace and love. You're going to have these these balancing things that kind of mirror real life in a way. And so it's but what we don't want to do is glory in the evil. And that's that's always a danger. And so I just want to make sure. I mean, I don't want anybody to think that uh, that there aren't pitfalls and dangers here. There, are, of course, pitfalls and dangers in real life as well as the fantasy genre of the fiction. I I agree. But if yeah, if you take it for for what it is, um, right. and you know, just because something's fantasy genre doesn't mean it draws you into a closer walk with the Lord. You no, know, sure. Fantasy genre that's just plain old neutral, and maybe even some that do you know have sure. a, a different agenda. Uh, but but within some Christian writers, there's some really neat stuff that that takes this imaginary world and makes you think about this world. And I, if you don't mind, I'll highlight maybe a couple thoughts on some C.S. Lewis books, although there's many others that I hey love, love me some C.S. Lewis. Go for it. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, and, and I had always loved it, but uh, I, I found a, a kindred spirit when I was at the seminary. Did uh, Marcus? I don't remember. Did you go to St. Louis or Fort Wayne? Um, I went to Fort Wayne. I'm from okay, St. Louis. So, went to Fort Wayne. There was a, a professor named Rev Rossow. Rev was his nickname, but I had a Rev, Rev Rossow, that everyone called him, and he loved C.S. Lewis. That would uh, be Francis, right? Francis, exactly. Yep. Um, but but he taught a class on on C.S. Lewis. I took it, and you know, he and I just became kindred spirits over over how to use you know kind of a, a fantasy genre to convey. And so we had, in the class we had to write sermons based on you know like kind of a made up fantasy, you know, kind of thing. And it was, it, boy, I just had a blast with it. But, um, you know, some, so some of the books that C.S. Lewis wrote, you know, are, again, meant to have real-world connections for us in this imaginary world. So the screw tape Letters, I'm sure a lot of folks have heard of it, um, but the, the gist of the book is that uh, screw tape is a senior demon in the devil's command. Um, and out of the world, the, the devil has, you know, troops kind of like God's angels. Now, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us that there are guardian angels in that sense. You know, we, we don't know if they play man-to-man or zone defense, but they're to look out for God's people and deliver his messages. But but in the this made-up story, the devils have an, an you know, kind of the counterforce. Uh, there's a demon assigned to every person, almost like the opposite of a guardian angel. And each demon's job is to corrupt that person and try and keep them from having to walk with God, you know, doing the devil's bidding. So, um, so in this book, there's a junior demon named Wormwood, who happens to be the nephew of, of Screwtape, and he writes letters to his uncle, giving his reports. You know, I'm working on my patient, they call him, and I'm, you know, trying to, you know, lead him away from the enemy. And, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, everyone, when they're doing things, thinks they're right. The devils think they're right. They think God's an enemy and is this 
horrible, evil thing, you know, and they just want others to kind of share in their their horribleness. Um, so, so the, as he writes to his uncle, the uncle then writes advice back on on each of those letters and said, "Here's the best way to try and lead your your patient away from the enemy because we want to consume him. We want him, you know, to to not be saved by this, you know, horrible." God out there who you know actually likes human beings, yeah. Um, and and it, what's really cool about it is that, you know the the demon kind of has the ability to look a little bit into the guy's soul, you know, not not you know read his thoughts, but you know can watch his actions and kind of know what he's doing, and then tries to you know corrupt him in different ways. And as you read each of these little letters, you, you see, boy, you know that kind of stuff really happens in the world here. Um, and and you get inside the devil's head a little, and it was like some aha moments where you know I think that is how the devil works. Uh, one of my favorite ones is is dealing with um, the idea of humility, um, and so senior devil writes to junior devil and says, all right, with this humility thing, um, you need to be a little careful when you're trying to lead your your patient astray because the uh, you know the, what the humans will will do if you try to convince them that humility is really you know smart people thinking they're stupid, uh, attractive people thinking they're ugly, they're going to realize the world doesn't, you know, that, that that doesn't really add up. You know, smart people are actually smart people. Not as smart as they think they are, certainly not as smart as God, but they're, you know, they're going to recognize that that truth doesn't work. So what is what is humility in its essence? And here's how you keep them from having a true humility. Or you throw those false things at them. You, you try to get them to think if you're smart, if you want to be humble, just think you're dumb all the time and you don't really know any answers. Well, that's not how God made us. God made us to, to recognize we have gifts. Some of us are smart. Some of us aren't as smart as others. Uh, some are attractive. Some aren't as attractive. Some have this skill or that skill. What What is real humility? Humility is knowing that God gave me this gift, and I, I want to use it for his purposes. The demon wants the person to not recognize that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so in there is described that uh, you know way, the way God sees humility is you know a person who, say, was the best engineer in the world, could build a bridge or a cathedral, for example, and be neither more happy nor less happy that somebody else designed that cathedral or bridge than that they did it. They're just happy that the cathedral or bridge is there. Um, and that's real humility, and that's the, the humility Jesus had. Jesus knew he had skills, and yet he was a very humble man. He didn't say, I'm dumb or I'm you know, not powerful. He just knew that, that his job was to serve, and that's what we're to do. Well, I don't know. I would have had that aha moment if it wasn't for C.S. Lewis saying, here's how the devil's going to try and convince you the wrong thing, Marty. Um, and it, it, was, it was huge for me. It was awesome. I love, I love the one where uh, Screwtape, who is the uncle, um, yeah. it's writing to Wormwood about, uh, you know, tips, uh, tips of how to, uh, keep you, the patient distracted so that they don't hear the enemy's instructions on Sunday morning, you know, get yeah. them, get, don't get them to focus. You don't want them to listen to what's going on or receive what you want them to focus on, on the, on, on, on the people that are sitting in the pew next to them. And you want them to think about, you know, what they're going to be doing when, what they're going to eat for lunch. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Anything. Yeah, and, and my church, at all you know, costs, don't a, let them listen to the man up in the front. <laughs> is there a typo in the bulletin? And you know, oh, I, you know, I got to make sure I get let the secretary know that you know, oh, look at those typos in there. And and yeah, you miss the whole good news coming from the pulpit. Yep. Well, okay. let me mention another book yeah, too. Another, please do. So, screw tape one. letters um, is and, a great and, example. Yeah, and this one's another one that's not not as well known, but I love it. Um, it's called The Great Divorce. And of course, you know, I, I actually ordered what? a copy Divorce of this. Divorce is I, great. I, I, Gotcha. I've I've owned about ten copies. I keep loaning them out. So I ordered one for uh, um, for my son to read, and uh, my my wife does some kind of shared Amazon account with a friend of hers, and uh, she she saw it in the 
in the cart or that we had ordered it, you know, on this shared Amazon account. She goes, what's going on in your household? Well, great divorce has nothing to do with a marriage <laughs> falling apart. <laughs> um, but, 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 you know, what's the idea of a divorce? A divorce is a separation. So C.S. Lewis, when he wrote this, said it, the great separation. But what's the greatest separation? God's people from God. Um, and so, it, again, it's a, it's a made-up story, and he knows that. He's not trying to actually say this is how it really works. But uh, you start at the beginning of the story, and I hope I don't blow the plot for you, but you know, you're, there's a guy waiting on, in line at a bus station in this kind of strange town, and he's, there's some other people waiting at the bus stop as well. And uh, eventually the bus pulls up, and they get on the bus, and the bus starts flying, and uh, it, it has to fly for a while. They watch the whole town and gray world below them disappear and and it turns out the bus is coming from hell and people are allowed from hell to come up and visit heaven they can't quite get into the the heaven and you know the way lewis writes it you know they kind of get to the real outskirts um of of heaven heaven is you know constantly deeper and more fulfilling the closer in you go with god and you're doing that for all eternity um but but so these you know like wispy ghosty kind of people from from hell come there and uh, each of them had their story and it's like the main characters talking to all these people on the bus and each one of them have their issues um what's amazing is each of them when they get to heaven you know some don't even get as far as getting on the bus some you know get off and or don't even get on it but once they get there they've got all these excuses as to why they actually don't want to be there including a pastor who has a a, a winkle group back down in in hell he's like well you know i came up for this visit to check it out for academic reasons but i really need to get back to my important work you know we're working sure. on a treatise um you know among me and the other pastors down there um about how you know if jesus had just been allowed to live you know another 10 or 15 years Years, all the things he could accomplish, you know, it was such a waste that, that he died on the cross and ended his ministry when he did, because you know there was greater things left to, left to happen, you know, um, and 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 so he's like, I don't want to stay up here in this this heaven thing, you know. And what's so cool, you know, as you start getting into it, um, the the ghosts have different reasons why they don't want to stay up there, but it's because heaven's so real. They're they're not real. They're this like ghosty, wispy kind of people, and they try to walk on the grass, and the grass hurts them. It almost cuts them like like blades because it's like it's so solid, and and they weren't solid. What's what's the message that Lewis is getting through to us? The closer we are with God, the more real things are. The more we're attached to things of our own, of sinful nature, you know, the less real that is. There's an imaginary world, and then there's God's real world, and then there's it's it's a great story. There's folks from heaven who are specially trained to come to the outskirts and interact with these folks. And, uh, you know, they, they process through stuff the real world people deal with. Um, there's a mom who, you know, has given herself to her son and, you know, always cared for the son her whole life. And she's like, you know, I'm such a loving person. Why wasn't I welcomed into to heaven? I've given everything of my life to, to care for this son. And, and they're like, well, the, the son came into heaven. Yeah, I know. And, you know, why did he go and leave me behind? Um, and, uh, you know, there's a conversation about that. And she goes, you know, I can't believe he did this to me. I, I hate his guts now. You know, I gave him everything during my life. And they're, they're like, you really want your son to leave heaven and come be with you in hell? Yes, that, that's how much I loved him. I wish he was willing to do that. You know, and, <laughs> and so you find, you know, the love of a mother. Is that a wonderful God-given gift? Absolutely it is. And yet, you know, we see how Satan can twist that around. Sure. This woman, you know, took it from instead of being this healthy, wholesome love that she was willing to pull her son out of heaven. Now, he didn't do it, but, you know, she, she said, you know, I would rather him be in hell with me than be up there in heaven with 
you people. Well, now suddenly we've lost real love and have this wispy, imaginary love that the world has. And, you know, again, I'm jumping to the end of the book. I've kind of ruined the, the, the spoiler no, that's for fine. you. But, you know, the, the whole point is that, you know, even in our world today, well, before we go to heaven or hell, you know, we find excuses. There are people in our world today who will say, yeah, you know, those good gifts that God wants to give, I've got my excuses why I don't want them, and I can walk away from them. And there's person after person, you know, in that story who does it. And you know, we see those people in our life today, too. So this fantasy literature of this made-up crazy story of bus ride from, from hell to heaven, you know, talks to us in our daily life today. Um, it's, it's huge for me. So, well, uh, that's so, why I so love Marty, so we've got maybe uh, three or four minutes left here. Yeah. Um, you got one more book, one more, uh, one more, or or one more uh, fantasy type item that you might that you might suggest, and maybe wrap it up um, by just telling us why. why what are yeah. some tips for how we can uh, utilize this? I mean, obviously, we're not trying to tell people, hey, don't read God's word, just read fantasy <laughs> literature. But uh, how, yeah. how, wrap it up for us here. Well, maybe I'll go even a, a different path. Sure. Um, you know, okay. I love fantasy literature because I that. love it. I mean, I, I just think it's it's fun stories. I'm I'm writing a series of books myself. They probably stink, but you know, I'm I'm trying to write them in the, in the same spirit there. But you know, find the thing that you love. And use it to connect people to God. You know, um, I, I played some sports when I was in high school and college. You know, sports are eh to, to, to me. You know, the, go Cubs. Um, sorry for those oh. of you in St. Louis. You're just not going to go the distance. Uh, we're looking forward <laughs> to playing the Strohs, by the way, in, in the World Series. Um, but uh, uh, but if sports is your thing, if crafting is your thing, if, you know, this, that, or the other thing, find a way that that passion connects people in their walk with the Lord, um, and yet don't let that passion, you know, dominate either. You know, if, if all I was about was fantasy literature as, you know, uh, a way to God, but the fantasy literature dominated the God part, I'd have a problem. God's always got to come first, but find your passion and find a way for that to connect you and, and people that you might interact with in, in a walk with the Lord. Um, you, do you love animals? Great. Love animals and, you know, there's care dogs and all that kind of stuff that, that connect people in their walk with the Lord, but always put the Lord first. Um, and so, you know, if I had to walk away from fantasy literature as much as I love it, because the Lord had to come first, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Um, but but I, I love that something I care about can connect people in a closer way with Him. Uh, well, and you mentioned that, uh, you know, Satan loves to, to twist things. And, uh, you know, the, the fantasy literature, it seems to me, it gives us a chance to show, like with the screw tape letters and the great divorce. And C.S. Lewis is perhaps the greatest master of this. Yeah. Of showing, it gives you the opportunity to see something that's actually about reality but but you're using fantasy to see it from a different perspective in a way that you wouldn't look at when it's right under your face right and that's the really Narnia the, series does a good job of that too you know if you've read the language in the wardrobe series does a great job of you know this fantasy world that has some you know connections to scripture you can kind of connect oh that you know prince caspian later king caspian i think that's king david well yeah you know duh um you know the He's obviously represented by that character. doesn't mean there's a perfect one-to-one -one translation, but, you know, it's kind of neat to read those and say, okay, you know, here, here's a way to view biblical characters in a made-up world. It, these, this is not God's given word, but it might give me an insight when I do read the Scripture and say, oh, you know, King, King Caspian did this in the, the Lion, the Witch, and the Ro Wardrobe series. And now I've got some insights into the real King David that's described in Scripture that, you know, C.S. Lewis gets us thinking about. So, you know, well, and, so, and, you know, you've got, you've got the lion, you've got the, uh, I mean, Narnia itself, I, I can't watch 
watch the Narnia stuff without thinking about, you know, with all the, you know, you got, you got badgers talking and I, I just, right. I, pit, I picture the communion of God in, 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 in terms of man's communion with, uh, with his creation in, in a perfect, yeah. uh, in a perfect world and maybe even a restored world. Um, yeah. And so you just see these parallels everywhere and it's just brilliant stuff. So, but imagination is a good thing. You know, if people get into the proverbial, you know, I don't want to tell my kid about Santa Claus. Santa Claus isn't real. Well, the you know that's kind of the age old debate, right? But Santa but it Claus does isn't real. What? <laughs> I thought this is a, uh, a family friendly show here. I, you know, we... I, I don't believe any of this stuff, heretic. <laughs> no, but I mean, you, of course, Santa Claus isn't real. But that doesn't mean there's not value in teaching someone the value of having. And use, utilizing a healthy imagination. Yep. And so that's really what we're talking about here in the fantasy genre. And fiction can be used, as all things can be, for the glory of God. You know, learning about God can be fun. You know, so so a story that you just enjoy for the pure sake of it being an enjoyable story. And, and maybe that's, I guess, another component I like. There are folks who like fantasy genre stuff who maybe have never opened their heart to the idea of there being God out there or have rejected God. And this is a backdoor approach. It's like, well, I really like that story. The story was fun and enjoyable because it's, it's my thing. I enjoy, you know, and wait a second, it actually got me thinking about reality be, and because it snuck in the back door. You know, a, a full funnel approach of, do you believe in God? No, I don't believe in God. You know, isn't going to go anywhere with some people. But this sneaks it in the back door, and, and the Holy Spirit can work in some of those creative ways, too. <laughs> That's all we have time for here today in the Student Union. Witness, January 2nd through 5th in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Check it out at lcmsu.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus, we'll help.